podcast is brought to you by New Hope Baptist Church. For more information, visit the website newhope.net.au or follow us on social media. In our sermon series presently, we are doing character studies of individuals in the Bible in whose life we experience the favor of God. Wonderful, encouraging uh, individuals and biblical wisdom. Today, we are exploring the life of Nehemiah. And in his life, we get some practical wisdom on how to focus on God in our daily living. Last week, we focused on Gideon. Adam Southwood gave us a fantastic message, and in his message, he taught us about a cycle, a death cycle that uh, can occur if we are not attentive to God. He talked about how in the book of Judges, we see the cycle accelerating. It's a cycle where people abandon God. Israel abandons God. And then they find themselves in bondage, and they cry out to God. They experience God's deliverance. Then they step into a season of easy living, only to abandon God again and go through the cycle. And the book of of, uh, Judges shows this cycle accelerating as the people failed to focus on God. Adam Adam, uh, gave us this wonderful uh, chart, A, B, C, D, E, and invited us to break the cycle with an F, which stands for focus on God. And Nehemiah's story is practical in the way it helps us explore what this might mean for us in everyday living. How do you focus on God? How do you keep uh, God's will and God's purposes forward when your life is uh, easy, when you are experiencing God's blessing? Because that's when we are most at risk. And so Nehemiah was an individual for whom uh, the favor of God was real. He had an easy life. He was the butler to the king of Persia. He was the cupbearer in King Artaxerxes' uh, internal domestic circle. All he had to do was do his job well, be a professional, and he had an easy life. Into this experience, he discovers the favor of God, which takes him on an exciting mission and turns him into... Uh, a, a, a person of obedience who breaks this cycle. Now, Ellie has sketched for us the story of Nehemiah, uh, how he went and helped to rebuild the wall. He was the project leader for the rebuilding of the wall around the city of Jerusalem, bringing hope, bringing uh, inspiration, and uh, advancing God's mission. I want us to explore the opening two chapters and the way in which Nehemiah heard from God, walked with God, obeyed God, because he focused on God in the midst of his easy living. This is what you and I need to do. It's what all of us need to do. It's the wisdom that Adam was stirring in our hearts last week and I've been thinking about all week. How do I focus on God? Well, there are three things that we can find in this book of Nehemiah. And they're questions that we can use to interrogate our everyday life. Let me read from the first chapter, and I'll just read the first uh, four verses. Chapter 1, Nehemiah, the words of Nehemiah, son of Hakiah. In the month of Kislev, in the twelfth year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, 
Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. I'll come back in a moment and I'll read the prayer that Nehemiah prayed. In those opening uh, words, we have something of uh, wisdom, uh, questions that we can ask to interrogate our experience and focus on God. Uh, this event happens around 446 BC. The uh, scholars reckon that it's somewhere between November and, uh, and December when these events actually occur. Uh, as Nehemiah goes forward and actually engages his plan, it's four months later. So there's quite a period of time in here in which uh, Nehemiah is, is wrestling and discerning. And we see him focusing on God, and it starts with this, this question that you can ask and I can ask every day to interrogate our experience. Where is God in my conversations? Where is God in the the things that happen to me that I could easily write off as just that's what happens in a day, but, but there's something that stirs and God is present with me. So Nehemiah had a visit from his brother and some other mates from Jerusalem. They had come to the, the king's uh, summer palace to visit with Nehemiah. And uh, as they share their stories, Nehemiah becomes stirred and begins a journey of responsiveness. But it all starts with a conversation. Just, just a, 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 a casual, everyday involvement with his brother in which God begins to stir something. Uh, interrogate your conversations. Uh, where is God present in my conversations today? I had an experience like Nehemiah's many years ago. I was sitting in a history class and the professor made a random reference to a school in Europe that he had re recently visited. For some reason, that random comment stirred in my mind. I asked him about the school after the lecture and could not get that school and the story that he told about it and its, uh, its opportunity out of my mind. It stayed there. And uh, three years later, Janet and I ended up studying at that school. It was a, a fascinating journey as we walked the path um, because of something that just would not let go in our spirits. And that fed into the formation and foundation, my theological studies, preparation for ministry, the call for ministry. It was all a part of the stirring and the things that God was doing in my life. And I often look back and reflect, one comment in a history class, how random. It had nothing to do with the historical topic that I was supposed to be studying. It was just a moment in which God was planting a seed. Now the challenge is to, to actually be pursuing, where is God in my conversations? 
I need some quiet. There is so much noise in the conversations in my head, in the conversations around us, in the interactions and, 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 and distractions of our culture and of all the networks that we find ourselves in. And so we need time to be quiet with God. We need time in which we, we train ourselves to, to listen and to, to just settle and to see what God is stirring up. And it was in those seasons that this thing kept coming back to my mind and kept stirring. And we pursued it and prayed about it and discerned together. We found that we had great excitement when we thought about it and it moved us, Janet and I. And then we, then we prayed for God's favor upon this and closed the doors if it's not meant to happen. And eventually uh, it, it unfolded. I can give dozens of examples of things like that. Sometimes when God is alive in our conversations, it's quick and immediate and we feel a prompting and we know we need to respond. Sometimes it's slow, like in the Nehemiah story, and it lingers and it speaks to us. And if we're not focusing on God, if we're not paying attention and asking ourselves, where is God in my conversations? we'll fly right by some of the most amazing opportunities to experience what God has for us and get locked up in that death cycle that, that Adam talked about last week. Um, Ignatius Loyola, he, he, he invited his disciples to interrogate their day, to do an examination. What a, what a wonderful practice. To end each day just spending a little time and asking, where was God in my day? Where was God in my, in my conversations? I encourage you to do this. I encourage you to slow down some part of your, your 24-hour cycle and, 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 and ask and let God, let God show you. I want you to notice as well that sometimes we are waiting for something that is dramatic and sometimes we get something that is straightforward and simple. Moses got a burning bush. He was turned aside while he was doing his daily work to see a miracle. And that's how God spoke to him. Nehemiah, on the other hand, got a visit from his brother, which is pretty mundane. It's pretty ordinary. And yet it's extraordinary when God speaks to us through the conversations, through the ordinariness of our days. Here's the second question. Where is God in my emotions? Where is God in my feelings, in the stirrings in my life? Now, we learn in this story that Nehemiah heard from his brother and immediately he wept. We learn that for many days he mourned and he fasted and he prayed. And from the text, we can figure out that it's about four months before he actually hatches his plan, stands in front of the king and risks all, uh, hoping for God's favor. So, these emotions, the commentaries tell us that this shows us how much Nehemiah loved Jerusalem, how much he loved God's purposes and plans. I think that's true. I reckon the emotions also show us something of the way God stirs and something of the, the everydayness of Nehemiah's heart, like our own hearts. He was the, the cupbearer to the king of Persia. He had a great life. He had an easy life. All he needed to do was be a professional, turn up every day and do his work. 
And I wonder how many, how many mornings in that four months, Nehemiah woke up and, you know, looked in the mirror and said, get a hold of yourself, man. Come on. Enough with the weeping. Enough with the stirring. Just go to work, serve the wine, and live a good life. God was stirring him in his emotions. And Nehemiah was not one to shirk such things. He lived with this focus on God. And so when he interrogated his emotions, he recognized that this was not just feelings. This was calling. This was not just just kind of a a, a weepiness that he needed to get over. This was a, a, a deep mourning that he needed to step into. Interrogate your emotions. Ask yourself as as you're flying through the day, you know, what, where is God in this feeling? I just reacted to something that somebody said to me and I'm stirred up in a particular way. Where is God in those emotions? I've just witnessed something and my heart is so full of joy. Where is God in those emotions? And as we slow down and ask this question, we can, we can begin to see more of the wonder of the gospel and the, the darkness of what's broken in our world and the call of God upon our individual lives. This is what happens for Nehemiah. As he mourns, as he, as he fasts, as he prays, he, he discerns the heart of God and he pushes into what God is doing in his life. For me personally, I have had something of of the the, the way in which emotions stir and the need for a slow journey and learning. Years ago, Janet and I uh, were in Caracas in Venezuela. Uh, We were there to uh, visit missionaries, Canadian missionaries who were serving, and to participate in a gathering of our Canadian missionaries, and uh, I I was to do some teaching. We arrived in Caracas. It was dark. We took a taxi to the place where we would stay. And in the nighttime, all these beautiful twinkling lights uh, 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 all along the the mountains that that, uh, kind of cradle the city of Caracas. I spoke to the taxi driver and I said, it's just beautiful. And there was a moment of quiet and he said, yeah, wait for sunrise. And so when the sun rose the next day and I went out to look, I realized what, what I did not know in my ignorance, that the wealth, the city, the prominence was down in the valley, and the poverty was all up on the sides of the hills. They were shanties. They were shacks. What we had seen as twinkling lights were the, uh, the, the, the makeshift lights of folks who, who had so few resources. I, I later learned that there was su- such risk because their homes are, are built out of mud and makeshift materials such that every time there's a serious rain, there's landslides and homes and, 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 and families collide into one another and there are deaths and there is misery. I remember how stirred I was by all of this and the desire to jump and do something quickly and, and, and this driving need to fix the world. And as I interrogated those emotions, where is God in these feelings that I have? It took me on a fascinating, really lifelong journey of discerning how do I address the deep need of the world. My initial prompting was to try and do something, start an organization, build a, build an, a, a fix in some way. Surely I'm smart enough to fix this. Um, that's probably not a good approach. We stumble around. 
How many people have tried to do something that's a quick fix only to create a bigger problem? This is why we need to interrogate our emotions. And the third thing I want to talk about is interrogating our plans. Because what we do, where is God in our plans, is so critical as we respond to where is God in my emotions. Let me talk about emotions for just another minute. Our emotions need healing. So just as to interrogate our conversations, we need quiet. To interrogate our emotions, where's God in these emotions? I need emotional healing. Because my emotional world and your emotional world is a mess. There's all this stuff that triggers, stuff from our history, stuff from networks and culture around us, ways in which we react and respond. And emotions can drive us in very dark and unhelpful ways. This is what the prayer healing ministry is all about. It, it's, it's experiencing God touching the brokenness in our lives and bringing healing. This is why we have a counseling center and why we use that counseling center, not just when we're in crisis, but when we are wanting to grow spiritually and discern and push through to new levels. This is why in the gospel, we have grace, the gift of forgiveness. We have the kindness of God that addresses our anxieties. And as we push into these things and experience gospel and submit to counseling and experience healing in prayer, in the grace of God, in God's spirit working in our lives, we, we get a freshness and we get a clean place. We get, a, we get some space in which to, to feel with God. Is that too strong a way to put it? That, that, that God can now access our hearts with his emotions. And this is the journey that I found myself taking in this justice space, you know, seeing the great problems of the world. Initially, I wanted to react on my terms. I wanted to jump in and do things. In fact, I did a few things and asked God to bless those things and didn't work out my way. Uh, the, the learning was about walking with God and discerning where God is at work. And over time, I've read a lot. I'm involved in advocacy initiatives. I've joined a board of an organization that works on these issues with a long-term perspective. It's affected my prayers, and it's affected the way I think of every person on this earth and God's love for them. These are the kind of things that were happening in Nehemiah's heart. He was interrogating his everyday experience. He was, he was asking questions. Where is God in my conversations? And, and God awakened things. Where is God in my emotions? God awakened things. And where is God in my plans? What a critical question. Notice again, it was four months between Nehemiah's conversation with his brothers and him pushing go on his crazy plan. He went to the king and asked for permission to take a leave of absence, some long service leave, so he could go back to Jerusalem and help build the walls. He approached the king with a very clever plan. He was sad one day, not supposed to be sad in the presence of the king. And the king asked him, as he hoped he would, what's with the sadness? In front of the king and the queen, Nehemiah launched his plan. I want to go back and build the wall. Ooh, how long do you think that'll take? And the king was pleased, so we arranged a time, says Nehemiah. And then, because part one of the plan was successful, having asked for God's favor, he went to part two of the plan. 
I'd also like, king, for you to give me some letters to the governor of the trans-Euphrates, so as I travel, I'll have safety all my way to Judah. And the king gave him the letters. And then he said, one more thing. Since part A is successful, since part B is successful, since the favor of God is upon this, I'm going to keep going. Would you also underwrite the project? Would you provide some resources? I need timber from the king's parklands to build the wall and to build my residence. The king gave him all of that and supplied him with some army and some cavalry to accompany him on the journey. Such was the favor of God upon Nehemiah's life. Now, why such favor? Well, because he asked for it. You can ask for it, and I can ask for it, to pray for God's favor. I want to read you now the prayer in which he asks for God's favor. And I want you to notice how God is present in his plans in in a powerful and significant way. As I read this prayer, I want you to listen for confession and for covenant. Because the way in which Nehemiah plans is so significant. He doesn't just come up with an idea and rush to God and say, would you bless this idea? That is the fault of that death circle that Adam was showing us. What he does is he spends time reflecting on the sinfulness of his own heart and the sins around him, and he confesses. And then he spends time reflecting on the love of God and the promises of God and the faithfulness of God. And he acknowledges that covenant in God's presence and calls on God's faithfulness. And then, at the end, he asks for God's favor. It is perfectly acceptable to pray for God's favor, but not for your plans, for the plans that are born of a focus on God, where you have have sat with the sinfulness that is in you and around you and confessed it and absorbed and basked in the covenant love of God who has embraced you in Jesus Christ, and then to begin to walk and discern and have God's favor. Listen, Listen to Nehemiah's prayer. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Then I said, Lord, the God of heaven, great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him, and keep his commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my family, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly toward you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws you gave your servant, Moses. Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses, saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are at the furthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as my dwelling for my name. They are your servants and your people whom you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayers of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. I was cupbearer to the king. I had an easy life says Nehemiah. 
but I had a place of opportunity and responsibility. And as I paid attention to the conversations of my life, the emotions of my life, as I invited God into the plans of my life, did you notice how many times he says the word your? Plans that are marinated in the reality of of sin in the world and and the wonder of God's covenant love are are the plans that God will walk with us in and surprise us with his goodness. This is the path that New Hope has traveled over many years. And we need to celebrate the favor of God. We need to celebrate his love. We, we have seen this as we have rebuilt our own walls in the most literal sense here at New Hope Baptist Church. As we wrestled with what to do and how to have a, a great uh, local commons here in, in this community, God guided us and we sat aware of our sinfulness. We sat aware of God's covenant love and we wrestled to discern and we prayed for God's favor. And as we, the people who love God, set aside resources, as we engaged with local city councils, as we worked on these plans for many years, God has been so gracious and so good. Many challenges, read the book of Nehemiah to see the many challenges that the people face, but to experience God's help and favor through all of those seasons. To know that God is in the plans because we are walking in in his covenant love, conscious of our sinful experience, covenant and confession, humility and patience, waiting on the Lord. Are you doing something in your life right now? that needs the favor of God. It'll fail if you do not experience the favor of God. Are you interrogating those plans? Do you bring those plans into that devotional place as you sit with God? Notice how Nehemiah knew the stories of God's faithfulness from the scriptures. Notice how he prayed. Notice how he walked with a humble heart. Notice how it took time. And notice how he experienced the favor of God. So as Adam challenged us last week, what we need to do is focus. When there's easy living, when we know blessing, when we know a good meal and a safe nation, we we need to focus on God. And practically, what does this mean? Well, where is God in my conversations? Sit quietly and discern. Where is God in my emotions? Walk a journey of healing Experience grace. Allow for there to be an inner healing so that God can stir in our emotions and we can learn and follow him. And where is God in my plans? It's easy to make plans, but it is wonderful to make plans with the Lord. It is easy to cycle through the habits of my day, but it is a wonderful, wonderful thing to sit in the joy of his covenant love to be honest about sin and failure and with humility to confess and to ask for, to seek his favor. Let me pray. Oh God, we long to know your loving kindness. We long to live focused on you. Help us today, we pray, and each day to live our lives with a deep sense of your presence at work in our conversations, in our emotions, 
and in the plans that you would call us to share with you. And so may we know your wondrous favor. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.